Good morning, Andy Hoare. Welcome to Friday 15. Or good afternoon, so I stay from the East Coast. Master B2B, I'm Brian Beck. We're here with Andy Hoare, my partner in crime in our Master B2B Thought Leadership Series. Andy, Brian, you're on the road, it looks like. I am on the road, sir. You're on the run, too? Well, maybe. I don't know. I can't disclose my location. See, <laughs> door, they might knock on the door. So I got my window escape here. I got the sheets tied up. I'm going to, you know, crawl out. Always I'm be scared. I'm in St. George, Utah, on my way up to uh, Park City, Utah, to do a little skiing this weekend. So, yep, taking the drive up from Southern California. It's it's a long drive, so we decided to stop halfway through, and I'm here at the, the finest of hotels, the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> Got my coffee. Uh, so welcome, folks. I, to you, I saw an interview with the people who are in Oppenheimer, uh, and to put you in good company, when they were filming in, I think, New Mexico, Mm -hmm. All the stars stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. Really? <laughs> We're talking really? about A-listers, Academy Award winners stayed at the Holiday Inn Express. Wow. Well, they have you know, they have good coffee. And what my son likes is the pork sausage. He's 12. <laughs> he's like, you can't get, apparently in California, you can't get pork sausage where we live. So, you know, here in Utah, you can get pork sausage and he loves it. So, <laughs> you go back and stay at the Holiday Inn, sure. So, folks, welcome to Friday 15. We've got some. Uh, great stuff uh, going on this week. Some really interesting things. We're going to do a a report uh, from the field. Uh, and but before we do that, uh, Andy, we have some breaking news. Love that sound. So, Andy, this you found this this week. This is absolutely hilarious. I wasn't Sport. looking for this, so let's be clear. All right, well, and I won't, won't won't you know won't, won't talk to Cindy about this one. But go ahead. <laughs> and we occasionally depart from B to B. Rarely. This yeah. one was just too good to be true. So there's a new dating app called Score. Oh. Uh, yes, it's a double entendre, as you'll hear in a moment. But uh, Is that S-C-O-R-E, Score? S-C-O-R-E. But right. it's not what you think. It's actually a dating app that is tuned to people's credit rating. <laughs> so Crazy. I guess somebody decided this was one of those missing variables in the, in the evaluation of a potential mate. Is yeah. you want to know what the credit score is? I guess you don't want some deadbeat showing up on a Trans Am for the 1980s and claiming he's cool, but has a credit score of 320. So they can match you up with people with similar credit scores. I think that's fascinating. That's <laughs> Did you just say that someone driving a Trans Am from the 1980s? That's right. That is, is what I am. Okay. All right. Actually, that is kind of cool if you have a tra Trans Am from the 80s. <laughs> Anyway, when I was in high school, that was awesome. So, all right. No, that's a fascinating thing. So what we're going to talk about today is actually more about AI. And one of the fascinating things, this story came out, Brett Taylor, he was the CTO of um, Facebook. He's the chair of OpenAI. He's on their board. He was the co-CEO, right, Andy, of, of uh, Salesforce. Yeah. This guy, everybody knows this guy in Silicon Valley, but nobody knows him outside, right? That's but he right. founded this company here called Sierra and this was in TechCrunch just a couple of days ago, two days ago, I think. How Brett Taylor's new company is rethinking customer experience in the age of AI. He's got some interesting uh, goals here, Andy. Tell us about him. Well, you know what? This is only a matter of time. Now we're seeing kind of Gen 2, maybe even Gen 3 of what's called conversational commerce. Yep. And the original bots were a little bit problematic. They made some improvements. They've gotten better. They still have some weaknesses. I had an experience the other day with one with E-Trade. It was yeah. terrible. Uh, but I've also had really positive experiences with these. 
But I think Brett Taylor finally realized, wait a minute, now we can take this to the next level. Those before were not AI-based bots. These, This is a pure bottom-up AI bot. This guy's got a lot of credibility, and you can see what he wants to do. It's pretty ambitious. He said, AI will become the dominant form factor that people will use to interact with brands, not just for the sort of current trends like customer service, but all aspects of the customer experience. Yeah. I agree with him about this. I do think they're, they're, they're going to be better. They're, mm -hmm. they're not moody. Uh, they have infinite knowledge. Uh, but they've always just been limited. AI actually takes the limits off. It takes the guardrails off of it. So it'd be interesting to see what happens here. Yes, and your microphone just fell off. So put it back I on. Did. I got so excited about it. I know. Well, this, to me, Andy, this also reflects what Amazon, in the announcement we talked about last week with Amazon Rufus, or two weeks ago, where it's contextual, right? It's, it's adding all kinds of different aspects to, the, um, to, to now companies that can put these things on their own site and answer contextual questions. And I think that's part of the promise here too, is not just answering routine, you know, where's my order, but, you know, contextual questions about where do I, you know, how do I use something? Uh, application questions. Uh, what's the best for this particular use case? That's well, and we talked about this. This is particularly, we talked about this last week. Yeah. This is not only a nice to have in B2B, this is quickly becoming a must have because we have a workforce that's starting to retire and a lot of their domain knowledge is leaving with them right. because we bring up some 25-year-old good-natured person who's going to work at the will call desk at Granger and expect them to know how this particular part or piece right. is going to fit into this. How do you bridge the gap? It's going to have to be something like this. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And so, yep, so it's fascinating. And, you know, the whole AI theme, you know, we're, our, our topic today is the buzz from the field and I've had a busy, you know, last week and a half, 10 days, Andy, um, uh, you know, you're, you're sitting back drinking lattes and I'm, I'm running around the country here doing That's all the work. Right. Yep. No, I'm just teasing you. But um, <laughs> but seriously, the, the the buzz from the field, folks, as you may suspect, is all about AI. And uh, I was uh, fortunate. Uh, thank you to Caroline Ernst, uh, the head of e-commerce at um, Affiliated Distributors. I was able to attend their uh, 2024 AD conference uh, and marketing summit in San Antonio, a very cool city, by the way, Andy, if you haven't been there. Um, and, you know, AI, I, I, just looking at the agenda and sitting through, you know, the talks and the keynotes, a lot about how to use AI practically, right? And there was some, you know, some high level trend stuff I'll share in a minute. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of it was was about the, um, you know, these companies and how do they, how are they, how are they practically using it? So AD, for those you don't know, is basically a trade group. Uh, it's a, it's not an industry association. They're really a buying group, but they've introduced all these, you know, sort of groups within it. So they electrical, plumbing, um, different categories, HVAC, and and they bring people together. And they started this e-commerce division. I want to say maybe ten or fifteen years ago. And it's really about you know enabling their distribution members with tools, right, for e-commerce, for data management, for PIM, things like that. So you'll see a lot of the you know PIM companies, e-com platforms that they're at their conference. But Andy, it was really about AI, this conference. There were probably, I don't know, several thousand people were there. And some of the use cases, you'll find these interesting. I won't you know, go through every one. For those of you who are listening on our podcast, I have a list here, a couple of different use cases that I'm sharing that companies talked about in, in, their, in their panels. The one I want to call out here is, I thought was really funny, Andy, is APR Supply Company, which is a mid-market distributor. They're using ChatGPT to write policies on how to govern AI. I love oh, it. <laughs> hey, eat your own dog food. In fact, we have a story coming up a little bit later about this. It's yep. like, 
if it's not good enough for that, then what is it good for? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, other practical things too, like McNaught and McKay ingesting sales orders into the ERP from emails. So think about the inefficiency, right, of rekeying orders or emails coming in. I mean, B2B, you're still getting a lot of these manual orders, even fax, right? PDFs, you're getting orders coming in in through email, taking and using AI tools to extract that information out of the unstructured data that's in an email or then the PDF and then bringing that into the ERP. Writing code is another common one. Ideal Supply is using it for incoming traffic, uh, predicting personas so they can create a better experience on the website. I heard all kinds of things. You know, everyone says AI is all about, you know, just, just content, writing content. I heard, I'm hearing lots of use cases in other areas as well. So it was a fascinating, fascinating to hear this, you know, the practical ways people are using it. But this is something which is really interesting. Forrester Research did a, uh, Jesse Johnson, I think is her name, um, did a um, did a presentation on day two of the conference, and she talked about something called BYOAI. What is that? Bring your own AI. 52% of B2B decision makers are concerned about BYOAI, in which employees use unsanctioned AI in their work, right? Have you yeah. heard about this, Andy? I have. You know, it reminds me. It reminds me of sort of the first wave of innovation with all new technologies. We had the same thing with storage technologies: Dropbox, mm -hmm. OneBox, if they even still exist. That's what it was. People would just, you know, do whatever it took took to be more productive, and then all of a sudden, CIOs would realize they had thousands of people using right. Dropbox. Dropbox yep. then showed up and said, "Hey, you want to do a corporate license? Right. This is going to follow a, a similar pattern." But yep. it does show you that this has penetrated the consciousness of workers. And they realize that AI can make them a lot more productive. Companies, however, are scared to death right. that well, this could become the wild, wild west and open them up to all sorts of negative possibilities here. Well, well, and for good reason, Andy. I mean, think about, I think the, the quote unquote sort of risks to sort of security and information privacy and confidential information are significant. Check this out, Andy. Less than a day ago, I think about 18 hours ago, found this found this leak from an internal Amazon um, an internal document or internal um, uh, uh, email that this is reported in Business Insider. Amazon's internal documents warn employees not to use generative AI models for work. Now, they're not talking about Amazons, right? And, right. But they're talking about using external AI to, you know, using it for putting uh, internal information into so that the company, you know, someone can create notes or a summary document or something else using chat GPT. Amazon doesn't want their employees doing that, right? They're worried. And the key of the worry here is, is info security. But isn't there something ironic about this? Don't use Gen AI because we can't trust it. Now go out and sell Gen AI right. because we can trust it. <laughs> right. Like... Right. right. Well, I mean, I mean, they'll think about it too. I mean, their main, their main competitor, Microsoft, invested heavily in, in uh, OpenAI, right? So ChatGPT. So, I mean, they're, they're concerned about it from a global competitive perspective. You know, what if, think about it. What if, what if all of Amazon employees start throwing internal information into ChatGPT because it, it creates a nice summary of my meeting the other day, but then that meeting the other day was a whole bunch of things about what Amazon is doing yeah, exactly. you know, competitively, right? And now, now Microsoft gets all this information. So anyway, there's a lot happening here around info security this is the world of bartered information we've had early incidents with this you know we've yeah. all been in this scenario where companies try and get you to give them an email address in exchange for a discount yep this is no different it's bartering for 
value. It's like, hey, you put something in here. Mm-hmm. And yep. what we'll do is provide back a meeting summary, some synthesis of this. But you're yep. right. Once it goes into that system, it's yep. in the system and right. you could be exposing yourself. So this is once again, another of just elevating the issue about yep. Yep. the value of data. No question. And I also heard I heard the Forrester person say something else interesting at AD. This is what she said uh, during her keynote. Humans aren't going to be replaced anytime soon right so anytime so it was the anytime soon piece that got me on this we have this kind of the theme i'm hearing at these conferences is that oh you know it's not going to change everyone will be okay everyone's going to have a job no i don't think so right i call this bedtime stories right hey you know the fairy godmother saves the day and everybody's better off now go to bed and enjoy your slumber this is nonsense yeah that is purposefully why they're building these tools what was brett taylor's company sierra about working side by side with humans i don't think so it's conversational <laughs> commerce etc it's about taking what humans do building it into a bot, having the bot handle it, right. not partially, but wholly. Now we may play a game for a couple of years where it's, you know, side by side impartial, but don't kill, don't, don't kid yourself. The end goal here is for this stuff to replace what humans do because it's supposed to be better, more efficient, faster, more yep. knowledgeable, et cetera. Well, and there's going to be new jobs created, no doubt, but a lot of, but there, there is going to be an impact. So this last, just two days ago, Andy, we had this fabulous event in Los Angeles. So again, report from the field here. We were at the 51st floor of the City National Bank uh, Tower at the City Club LA. We had almost 40 executives from the LA area. We got together. We had a very robust conversation, I guess, about what, guess about what, Andy? AI. Uh, We had really was the who's who of of the LA area. We even had a couple people fly in from out of town for it. It was a great event, uh, followed by dinner, cocktails. But, you know, in terms of what we shared and what we talked about, again, I heard a lot of, you know, practical use cases and how it's being used. You know, a number of different things here, you know, the standard, you know, a lot of folks talking about using it for content creation. Um, there were two two that were really interesting that came out. One is scanning thousands of customer service call recordings for sentiment analysis. Naresh yeah. Access was talking about how they're doing this for some of their clients, you know, to really understand and also improve customer, the actual care quality. You know, making sure the, the agents are, are are answering questions correctly. I mean, it's really because he was describing thousands and thousands of calls a day for one of their clients and how they're using these tools to to extract information and trends and sentiment. The other one was really interesting. Pooja from Motion Industries was talking about online chatbots, and she gave this example of Delta. Someone apparently, a chatbot at Delta apparently answered some customer's question with some non-existent loyalty program. Right, it made it up. It was hallucinating, and 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 the customer took the Delta Airlines to task and said, "Your your customer service promised me this stuff. You didn't deliver it. I'm going to sue you." And they won like six hundred thousand dollars. And then Delta ended had, had ended up adopting the loyalty program. It's insane. You have to be really careful about what goes into these systems so you don't get hallucinations. But you know, there's there's a solution to this which is AI is going to monitor AI. I, I'm mm-hmm. not kidding. So that was, that was you don't just turn it loose and let it do whatever it wants to do because you're right, it's going to hallucinate. That's the downside. Right. But you can have a, a, you know, a check in place to make sure that 
it doesn't make up a new loyalty program and you can use standard software AI to do that. That's the piece. That's the layer that was missing here. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, Hey, just because it hallucinated this loyalty program and Delta got burned. If they yeah. just spent a few more dollars, a few more hours and had something double check yeah. what it was saying in mm -hmm. real time, they would have never had this problem to get the best of both worlds. Yeah. No, no question. We also, other, one other interesting point, Andy was, the whole the guys from Slope were talking about, um, you know, th this whole sort of making this whole process of credit approval much faster and, and and approving people much faster. But also, interestingly, some use cases around suspending proactively suspending accounts, knowing if someone is going to default wow. before they even right. I mean, it's using AI to predict the the default of you know someone so that they could actually say. Distributor can say, hey, you know, we're putting your account on hold. Well, wait a minute. I'm still paying on time, right? And so, now you know why we talked about score, because this ties right back into that. There you right? go. <laughs> Full circle, back to score. Yeah, maybe maybe they should all work together. I don't know. So uh, so we asked our LinkedIn community, what's the most practical use of case use case right now for Gen AI and B2B commerce? Far and away, number one was, was 67% was marketing and product content, followed by a distant second with customer service chatbots writing code and at the end here documentation technical documentation so you know again i think i think everyone sort of sees the use case on marketing and product content and a lot of people testing that but this is really across the board and you know i asked a question at our roundtable andy how do you prioritize and somebody said well you do what jeff bezos did right you look at the customer first and you start there and i have to agree with that you know what what pain can you solve for the customer you know using these tools and because there's so many applications here for AI, it's incredible. Yeah, wherever there's like you know high-level thinking taking place by humans, their AI is going to fit in there, and even some low-level thinking. I mean, the thing about product and marketing information that makes AI so powerful is that if it exists anywhere in the known universe, AI mm -hmm. can find it. Yep. That's the weakness to AI. If it doesn't already exist, then it might just hallucinate something. Again, yep. that's going to get better, but you know, why, what would you do? Pay a human to scour the internet to find all this stuff, do a bunch of searches? Why not just have AI do it? I do think you'll see these numbers change though. These are the very early use cases. They're a little safer. It's yeah. a bigger problem. There isn't much of an alternative. That's why marketing and product content is so high. But I'll bet if we do this in a couple of years, customer service and anything around the customer experience yes. will start to rise because that's the next problem that people are just realizing they can't get talented people. Right. These people make mistakes. It's mm -hmm. an annoying process. It's a friction in the flow. I mean, you don't contact customer service unless you have a problem. You don't call them up and say, just wanted to thank you guys for such a great process. So if you can eliminate friction with AI, you sure as hell going to yeah. do it. Yep. No question. Well, you know, that's our report from the field. We're going to continue doing these and we've got a lot of events coming up, Andy. Uh, I mean, gosh, we've got Chicago Roundtable in two weeks. We're, we're oversubscribed for that. We, we can't fit anybody else to start falling out of the windows. Um, so <laughs> It's not good because it's on the 67th floor yeah, yeah, of the Willis Tower, so it's yeah. about 700 feet. You don't want no, we don't, we don't want to do that. Yeah, no, Nobody's falling out of the windows. Don't worry, guys. Um, uh, that, that one's going to be a great event. Atlanta, same thing. We're over capacity there. We've got um, that Roundtable coming up. Dallas, Minneapolis, um, and then B2B Online. We've got Denver coming as well. So we've got a lot of these events and we're going to continue, uh, folks, to report from the field what we're seeing because, you know, there's just so much changing and everything's happening so rapidly. 
in this industry now, uh, as as particularly driven by this AI thing, that's not going away uh, anytime soon. And of course, our summit on June fourth, uh, we're at about two thirds full now. I think we need to. Uh, if anyone wants to join us, we still have a couple sponsored seats available for practitioners. We have a few sponsor sp spots still available. So any solution providers out there, if you want to participate in what will be a fantastic event at the University of Chicago on June 4th at their Gleacher Center. It's going to be about 130, 135 people. Um, so excited about that. Just go to our website, Master B2B, click on events, and you'll see all of this stuff and places you can you can log in and, and, and submit. Uh, one final thing I want to mention here, Andy, is our forum. Of course, this is uh, we encourage you all to join this uh, if you're a practitioner, manufacturer, distributor, or brand. You can go to our website, click on forum, and apply for a a seat on at the forum and it's free for practitioners. Yeah. So anything about this that is important to note is that we have these events that are episodic, you know, every couple of months in various cities, we're doing these things where people get together and they like to share best practices and understand what other people are doing with a peer, not just, you know, something abstract. It's literally, what are you doing over at your company? And what am I doing? It's a lot of how to sort of stuff. But what's interesting about this group is this is 24, seven, 365. Yeah. So you don't have to wait for events. You can contact people in this community and ask them questions proactively, yep. uh, which is what makes it really valuable. Absolutely. And by the way, Nathan Maxwell, thank you for your comment. Well, we'll ping you back on LinkedIn. We're just we're, we're Friday 22 already. So we have to kind of wrap up. But thank you all for listening in today. Um, remember, our, this is all available via podcast, Spotify, Google Play and Apple Store. And we will see you next week on our next Friday, 15 at noon uh, Eastern Standard Time. Thanks, everyone, for joining today.